So very rarely do you see a junior in high school having to make a life-changing decision on the spot. Well, today we're going to hear about that from our guest. He is a college football player, but when he was a junior in high school, he was forced to make a very, very difficult decision. And essentially, it was a very unpopular decision, but he bet on himself. And we're going to learn about how important it is to bet on yourself, but also put the work in to prove yourself. Uh, what an inspiring story we have coming today on the Game Time Guru. So, what time is it? Game Time Boost! This is the Game Time Guru podcast, where I interview sports figures from all over the world to help deliver a panoramic view on sports. So whether you're a former athlete, one of the crazies, or simply a casual sports fan, this is the perfect show for you, as we peel back the curtains and learn from our guests every single week. I'm your host, Shane Larson, and I'm helping you see sports through a different lens. What's up, everybody? Welcome out to another episode of the Game Time Guru Podcast. Another week, another awesome interview. We're going to be starting off the month of October with a solid one here as we chat with current Arizona State fullback, Case Hatch. He's got a story to share with us. We're going to learn more about him and his journey and uh, what we can expect from Arizona State this year. Case, thanks for joining the show, brother. I appreciate your time, man. Of course, man. Thanks for letting me come on. I'm excited. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. So let's let's rewind the clock a little bit. Um, obviously, currently, as people have heard in the introduction, have heard me talk about it right now, they know that you are a Division One football player uh, playing for Arizona State University. And we're going to talk about that here in just a little bit. But I want to rewind the clock before you even got there. Let's talk about your football journey, your sports journey as a whole. From my understanding, you grew up in a family of, of some brothers, similar to the Gronkowski type of setting in the household. Like you had a lot of brothers. So talk to me about that, what it was like in your upbringing having the brothers around you, where do you fit in the mix of all your brothers and, and siblings and whatnot? And how was that like growing up? Yeah. So I grew up with five brothers. I'm the second oldest and we're kind of a, a brutal bunch to say, right? Like if you get in my, if you get in my family, um, we're not the normal family, right? We're fighting all the time. Even now we still fight here and there, but it's not as brutal as it used to be when we were a kid. But yeah, I'm the second oldest. And, uh, we're very tight knit family, that's for sure. And so, so from from so all so there's six of you, or there's five of you. There's six boys total. Holy all boys, God. no girls. Goodness, yeah. your, your mom, right? Okay, holy cow, that's tough. Okay, so from the from the oldest to the youngest, what's the 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 age gap there? So there's two years between every single one of us. Ah, they planned it yeah. out well. Okay, yeah. I got gotcha. you. All right, all right. I feel you. Okay, so th th there we go. They they did it well. Boom, 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 boom. So pretty much all of you probably have a pretty close relationship for the most part. You're not too far in that you wouldn't have a close relationship. But what, what would you say was the biggest life lesson you had from growing up with all those siblings? Biggest life lesson from all those siblings? Now, that's a good question. Um, I think probably the biggest life lesson is the thing that I learned most is like the importance of family, right? And just having all those brothers around me when we were playing sports, whether it might be at school, work, it doesn't matter. Um, we would fight all the time, but in those times of need, I would have them in my back, right? I would have them by my side, fight me through any situation I might be going through. Um, so I think that's the biggest thing I learned is like the importance of family in life. That's so dope, man. I think as um, you know, the, the pandemic has hit the world the last two years, hopefully people are realizing that it's good that you had that foundation already, but I hope people are realizing the importance of family because everybody was starting to get locked down. You didn't really have 
your quote unquote friends outside of things to be able to lean on. And it came down to family time. And I think that's uh, becoming more and more apparent how important that is. And unfortunately, those who didn't have that foundation have probably struggled in the last two years, you know, with not having those relationships. But it sounds like you guys were really tight knit and you built, built that foundation, which I think is super dope. Um, golly, dude, but six, I I'm about to have my third kid. I'm 33 years old and I will, I don't know how, like I, I go to my church and I'm like, dude, we got the whole church lined up with minivans. Um, and I'm like seeing kids, you know, it's a whole thing. It's like your scenario. And I'm like, I just don't know. I don't know how that's possible. Um, but it's crazy. Good for your, your parents and, and everyone. That's awesome. So let's talk about your sports background too, case as you were growing up, um, when did you get into sports? Were your brothers all into athletics as well? Were you a multi-sport athlete or did you focus solely on football? Like talk to us about your upbringing in the athletic realm. Yeah. So I started playing sports when I was probably eight years old. Um, but I played my, I had three main sports that I played year round, right? I just kept switching between them and that was basketball, baseball, and football. Right. So I did those three year round. Um, baseball was actually like my main sport growing up. Right? I would travel on like the all-star team going to different states, playing teams from out of the state, whatever it might be. Uh, baseball was like my big sport until about like junior high. And then football took over my life after that. All right. Okay. So it was in junior high that you kind of had that shift yep. uh, of that. Okay. So that's what's interesting to me. I think everybody has a different uh, different setup there if you grow up playing multiple sports. Uh, for me, I was a football player. Um, I mean, I was a tight end, but I actually thought I was small. I was 6'2". I mean, whatever. But I was always good at football. I didn't have the discipline for football, but it was my sophomore year in high school is actually when I had that shift and I focused solely on basketball and boxing. Um, but a lot of people, you know, for you, it was middle school, it was junior high school, where you had that shift of like, okay, I'm good at this. Now, what caused that shift, if you if you don't mind me asking? Like, when did you realize, like, okay, football is where I want to go when when baseball up until that point had been kind of your your main sport? You've been traveling, you're playing with these all-star teams and going around. Yeah, so it was junior high when I kind of figured out that I was like pretty good at what I did on the football field. Right. Baseball. I love playing baseball because I was the pitcher and then I play first base, you know, so I was more involved in the game and it was just kind of like more of a relaxing sport at the time. Um, but I just realized, like, I had the ability to play football, like I had the mindset to play football. And most of the time, like, I just wanted to go out there and hit kids. It didn't matter, like, what side of the, the ball I was on, but I was always looking for contact. And junior high is kind of like it's weird now, like in high school, you kind of have to focus on one sport, right? It's, it's hard to play two sports, even three sports. Not many people do that in high school anymore. It's like you either focus on one and then try to make it all the way to college in that one sport and use high school for it. So that's kind of what I did as I, I went to high school and I said, you know, what, it's going to be football only and we're going to take this as far as we can go. Interesting point you made there. I've actually had a show where we discussed multi-sport athletes and when you need to actually focus. I mean, I'm a coach. I coach uh, club basketball. So the AAU scene, we travel around and it's interesting. Like if you want to play a sport, especially like even, I mean, basketball, for example, it's all year round now. It's That's not how it was when I was in high school. Uh, it was seasonal. But now it's like if you really want to compete and actually get to the next level, the athletes that are out there in each sport, they continue to get better and better and better, bigger, stronger, faster. So you have to make it a year round thing. It's crazy. Um, but for you, it obviously worked out. But I am curious, is your so you're the second old is your older brother a college athlete as well? Was was he into sports as well? Or is and the younger ones as well? Are they all into sports or were you kind of the main one? No, yeah. So every single one of my brothers was into sports, right? We all played sports growing up. I don't know how my parents did it, you know, with all these boys. Like multiple, oh yeah, lots of money in that too. Um, 
because it's not cheap, you know, and you got six boys playing three sports all year round growing up. Like it just never ends. And then, but like, that was good. We were able to compete together because we were pretty close in age. A lot of us played on the same football teams. And, um, in high school, I played with my older brother and my younger brother. That's dope. So that was pretty cool. Um, but yeah, we had a very like high competitiveness between ourselves. So like we were always trying to compete with other kids on the football field, but the main competition was between brothers, right? During the whole time, all my life growing up, it's always been that way, right? It didn't matter what sport, it was always between my brothers. Yeah, that that's actually really cool. It's something that's unique because not everybody gets to say that. Like not everyone has five other brothers, and you know the competition that comes from that, and the life lessons. I guess if you're always competitive, some people don't know how to react in a competitive setting. If you're grown up, if you've grown up in that setting, then you know, and you can kind of like translate that to the football field if you will that's awesome man so tell us where did you grow up what state were you were you in arizona growing up and whatnot so you you've grown up around the arizona area okay yeah i grew um, up in, uh, in gilbert in gilbert arizona ah uh, gilbert okay cool so like in arizona for those who are listening that might be from i'm from idaho i went to boise state so like for those around here in the scene like arizona like baseball is pretty big over there first off second off um like it's a different scene for high school i'm pretty familiar with the area as far as like how the high school scene goes, but like you guys are pretty big into baseball and football is pretty solid there. But also I, if I'm not mistaken, I thought ball is life was pretty big over there too, for basketball. Like they, they had like a ball is life, Instagram page or whatever that went over there and, and took off. So Arizona's got some, uh, some good athletes and some good exposure over there for all very sports. Yeah. Very, very competitive. That's, That's dope, man. That's super cool. So in high school, you're focusing on football. At what point did you decide like, hey, I can make it to the next level? Was this like sophomore, junior year when you began to get some exposure from college coaches? So it was my sophomore year. I remember um, after my freshman year of high school, I was – I took training very serious going from junior high to high school. And you really have to like learning the Olympic lifts and all that stuff. And I love the gym, right? I stay in the gym all the time. doesn't matter if it's season or not. Um but I was able to kind of put on a lot more weight after my freshman year of high school and kind of like build myself up. So then my sophomore year, I got brought up to varsity. I was able to start as a linebacker at my high school. And then after that season is when a lot of schools started reaching out. You know, you start getting all these envelopes from major D1 schools and it's kind of exciting. I think it's at that point where I was like, man, I'm gonna take this as far as I can go. You know, if I can get school paid for and I can get an education for free and play football, Tell them like mid twenties, maybe thirties. Like heck yeah, man, let's do it. So that's kind of where it came from. My sophomore year of high school, I remember it. That's early too for some people. Yeah. Like that's that's awesome, man. You're starting to get those offers, and you're starting to think about your future from um, not only just an athletic standpoint, but an academic standpoint. That's actually really cool. So as you're going on throughout your high school career, the story has it you had planned on serving um, a two year LDS mission, uh, and and. Not to turn this into a religious podcast, but those who follow me know that I also am a member of that church and I served a two-year mission myself. So I, I do have a lot of listeners who might relate to you in this regard. So I do want to kind of touch base on this. I think it's a, an important part of the story um, from your journey. You know, had you planned, like, so my question is this, growing up, did you plan on serving a mission for your church your entire life? I, I would like to see that. Or was that more so like something that was coming to you as you got older? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I think. Just growing up, it was always at the back of my head, you know, that's kind of a main, main, you know, decision in, in our, in our religion is to go serve for two years. 
Um, so it was always in the back of my head growing up, going through high school, but I didn't really have to make the decision till my junior year. Um, after my junior football season is when I kind of really said, Hey, I'm going on the mission. I'm going to be gone for two years. So that's kind of when I decided. Okay. So you had to, you had to actually take a stand your junior year. That's tough. Um, there's a lot of athletes I've actually spoken to, even local athletes here from Idaho who are going on their missions, their serving missions and the future is kind of uncertain. So this is why I actually think this, this very well may be very impactful for them because it's a difficult decision to make. Talk to us about this. Uh, you're getting offers. Story has it. You were getting offers and your decision to serve a mission actually had a direct impact on some of those offers. Can you expand on that story real quick? Yeah, this is where my story kind of takes a wild, a wild journey, right? Um, everything was crystal clear up until my junior year of high school. And then it all just kind of goes crazy, right? So I remember I was getting offers from big schools that I wanted to go play for, you know, that was, it was freaking awesome at the time. I'm like, yes, my dream is going to come true. I'm going to be a D1 athlete and all this stuff. And then one of those schools, I probably shouldn't say who it was, but one of those schools came into our football office after one of our practices, brought me in there with my head coach at the time. And they sat me down and they offered me a full ride scholarship to their school. Right. And he heard that I was a LDS kid and that I thought about serving a mission, right? And it's not very popular for schools to hold scholarships. That's a big commitment. I understand it for sure. But um, at this time, I sit down with the head football coach of this university who's offered me a full ride scholarship. And he said, "Here's your, we're going to give you a full ride scholarship, but you have to tell us you're not going to go on a mission. Like we want to hear that you're not that like that is not a choice that is not an option anymore. Like you you're gonna play football, and somehow it all works out. But like a week before this situation happened, um, I had like a super serious conversation with my dad. Um, Everything's kind of blasting off with uh, we were getting accolades at the time, and I got mentioned for all state at my position, and then all American was coming up, and he's like, "Look, man, all everything's great." Um, you're doing great in football. Everything's awesome. But the biggest thing is to always put the Lord first in your life, right? And without the Lord, nothing is going to happen the way you want it, right? And so surprisingly, we had that that deep talk like almost a week before this situation happened. And so I'm sitting in that office, and the only thing I can think about is that conversation with my dad, right? For some reason or another, I wasn't thinking about the scholarship. I was only thinking about that conversation with my father and I'm sitting in that chair and I tell the coach, I said, I can't say that. I said, I'm going to go serve a mission after high school. Like I'm telling you right now, like that's what I'm doing. So he got up, ripped up the scholarship, said that was going to be the worst quote, the worst choice of my life. Really? Right? Yeah. It was, it was brutal, man. And so I'm sitting there. It was just me, my head football coach at the time in high school. And then this coach from, from that university. And so he rips it up leaves with his guys and I haven't talked to that, to that coach since then, but I remember sitting in that office, just overwhelmed with like, what the heck did I just do? You know? And my head football coach, who's not a member of the church was just sitting there like, dude, are you crazy? Like you just gave up this opportunity to go, go play at a school that I actually wanted to go play at, you know, after high school. And the crazy thing is after that little situation, like, 
as the days went on and the weeks went on, I started getting phone calls from other universities saying, Hey, we didn't know you're going to go on a mission. Like we got to pull our scholarship. Like, oh, and so okay. I started, that's when it all just kind of went downhill. Like I went from a bunch of scholarships, a bump, bunch of opportunities to nothing going into my senior year of high school. Wow. Wow. Yeah. wow. Let's, let, let's unpack this real quick. Hold on. Yeah, so I'm, I'm like actually getting anxiety thinking of like your scenario there. I want you. So you had had this conversation with your dad a week prior or so. That was in the back of your mind. You're a junior in high school. This is where you actually have to take a stand for what you believe in and what you, I mean, it's kind of like a step of faith. Like you were planning on serving a mission and this is like your young kid. So you're going to be like, okay, I have to make a stand for something very, very important. Dad's not with me right now next to me. It's just my head coach. Who's not a member of the same church. And uh, you have to make a stand here. Rips up the scholarship walks. Okay. What were your, like, did you cry? Did you just sit there quietly? Were you mad? Like, what were what were the feelings that you had, Case? Because I'm actually getting, like, I got, like, sweaty thinking about it while you were talking. I'm like, oh, my gosh, I'm, like, pissed. And yeah. I'm, like, sad. So I don't know what, I don't know how you were feeling. It was crazy. Because, you know, that, that feeling of, like, you ever jump off a cliff and you get that sink in your stomach or your heart drops? Like, that is what I felt at that moment. It's like, crap. What did I just do? You know? Like everything I've been working up for my entire life was like for this moment. And I kind of just said, no, like I'm good. You know, all that hard work, yeah, I'm good. And dude, it was tough, man. And then when all those other scholarships started leaving, that's when I was like, all right, this mission better be worth it. You know, like these two years, they better mean something if if this is what's going to happen to me. You know, I was, I was kind of pissed at the time. It was hard, you know, it was like, man, maybe the mission's not worth it. Maybe it's not going to be worth the two years. Maybe I should just call them all back, say, hey, I've changed my mind. Like, I want to play football, but I stuck to it. I was able to stick to it, and that was the toughest thing I ever did. You know, for those who might be in a similar situation, whether it's a mission or it's um, it's just anything, like you have to take a stand for what you believe in, whatever it may be. How did you find, because that was for a full year. Like, you had to, like, go through, this is your junior year. You're still going to go play. Like, you still had to play and play at a high level still, like, to prove yourself. But how did, I guess, what were some of the tips or maybe what's some advice you would give someone, Case, that might be in a similar situation to, like, get through that and stay, like, were you praying? Were you consistently, like, trying to figure out if this was the right thing to do? Because I can imagine having served a mission myself, like, I had gone through similar emotions just in life, like, is this going to be where that's two years is two years, man. That's a long time. <laughs> like, yeah. so maybe some advice that you could give to younger athletes or anyone who might be going through something similar. Well, you just got to stick to what you say, honestly. And if you believe in a religion, whether it's with our religion or, or a different religion, you have goals and ambitions to serve the Lord in a different way, whatever it might be. Um, you got to live that. And that's one thing that, that was able to help me through this time was living my religion to the best of my ability, right? You got to live the principles you're le- you, you, you learn. You got to live the way you're supposed to live. And as you do those things, as you, you know, with us, it's reading the scriptures, you know, saying your prayers, doing, doing your job as a member of the church. Um, that's what's kind of kind of help you stay on track. Yeah, you're always going to get shifted here and there. But as long as you do those simple things, that's what helped me um, during that time. And like what you said, it was a whole year before I even was able to get a mission call and go on a mission. And luckily I had an older brother who was serving a mission at the time, you know, and you hear all of his stories. So it kind of all helped me out and all worked out, honestly, like almost perfect. 
like the that, situation. That's so dope though, man. Like it's super inspiring to me. And I know there's listeners. I, I know for a fact, I've been doing the show for five years. I know who's listening to the show. They're going to sit here and they're going to be like dialed into what you're saying. Okay. So at the end of your senior year, let's just make sure we have this clear for everyone listening in into your senior year. How many scholarship offers did you have when you were graduating high school? Okay. So let's kind of like re backtrack just a little bit. Yeah. You do what you got to do. Let's, let's get the story clear. Just just make sure. So after that situation, right, you get all the phone calls from the scholar, from the, from the school saying, Hey, we got to take our scholarship away. We didn't know you're going on a mission. Um, I got invited to the Nike, the Nike opening. Ooh. Okay. Right. So I got invited to the, to the Nike opening. It's like you spend a week up in Eugene, Oregon at the Nike facility and you do all the football stuff there, which was awesome. You're with like the top athletes in the country. Um, and that's, I had like no scholarships at the time. Right. And I'm playing in front of kids that have like 30 plus offers, 20 plus offers. Right. And I had none, zero. And then after my senior year, I got, um, I was lucky enough, like somehow I played amazing that senior year and I got, um, mentioned as the Arizona Cardinals defensive player of the year. So like, they do a award for like the best player on defense in high school. Oh, sweet. Okay. And then they do it for offense and they also do it for like all purpose. So if you play both ways and I remember it was me, um, this kid named Mace Moran and this kid named Byron Murphy, who both play in the league right now. And, um, both of them had like 20 plus offers and we're walking into the stadium to get our award and I have zero offers. Right. So it's just like all this stuff was happening. And I'm like, what the heck am I doing wrong? You know? Um, but after my high school year, I'm like my senior year, um, Southern Utah called, right. Southern Utah university called me and said, Hey, uh, we want to offer you a scholarship, but we want you to go on a mission. And right then I committed to Southern Utah and that's kind of what kept the fire of playing football alive in me, like going in the mission. So like, I knew like there was an opportunity to play whether it was going to be for a year at Southern Utah, then move up or just to play there, you know? So that's what kind of kept me going. But I only had one. After my senior year, I was one offer. That was it. Wow. No, and I'm glad you backtracked on that to, like, give us the full insight of that. I want to first, like, unpack the Nike Open dealio that you went to. Yeah. Who was the best athlete that was around you there? And what was it like, you know, having been from Arizona? Like, you play some good athletes there, but then – seeing the the talent across the country that is, is coming in. I, I just want to know, like, from your perspective, because you're a solid athlete yourself, so what was it like? Who was the best athlete that you were around? Um, it was kind of crazy because uh, they had a bunch of different kids from, like, different grades and stuff. But uh, in my grade, I, we had Byron Murphy was there. It was cool to see, like, hometown kids, right? We had Byron. Byron Murphy is from Arizona. We had Christian Kirk. He's from Arizona. Both of them play in the NFL. Both of them doing great. Um, and then there was a few other kids, um, who's all playing now. I kind of forget their names, man. It was so long ago, but I remember playing with these kids and I'm watching them on Sunday. Yeah. I'm like, what the heck? Like crazy. <laughs> That's nuts, man. Now for those who are wondering, like if they graduated with you, yeah. Remember case served a mission for two years. There's, there's a reason why there's a gap there. They're probably wondering like, why are they in the league and you're okay. Yeah. There's a reason. There's a little two year gap. Here's the other question that I could see. I was doing some research before the show and I wanted to make sure I asked this. So people are going to ask and they're probably wondering. So I wanted to ask the question. Okay. BYU is the quote unquote Mormon school. Okay. They're 
they're known to hold scholarships for guys serving missions. That's why everybody makes jokes. Like, you know, Taysom Hill was there till he's like 30. It felt like, right. So like, I mean, people are always making jokes about that. Why not BYU? Was that ever on your radar? Were you ever wanting to play for BYU or are you like me? All my listeners know I hate BYU growing up in the church. I hate them. So I like, I, I despise, I'm a Boise state and an Ohio state guy. Hate, I hate BYU. So I'm just wondering like, um, was that ever in the works or anything that was like on the top of your mind or anything like that? You know, I'm glad we're on the same page, right? I hate BYU too. But um, my reason is a little bit different. I got offered by them my junior year, right? So I got a, a full-ride scholarship to go to BYU. But when the coaching staff changed, they took it away. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So I got I got offered by Bronco Mendenhall, who was there, Bronco Mendenhall. And yeah. then when uh, Sataki, I think it is. Mm-hmm. Right when he when he moved in, he's like, "Hey, we want to recruit our own guys." Like, we apologize. I said, "All right, you know, I hope I get to play you." And we did. We played him last uh, two weeks ago, right? But they, they beat us. It was unfortunate. That was, a good, that was a good game, though. That was a solid game. Uh, I, was a little, I was a little bit bummed about it, but uh, we, it was a solid we're, game. Kind of killed ourselves, but yeah. So I got offered by them, but they took it away uh, when the coaching staff changed. Which fair, but. Yeah, okay, so there was some BYU in the mix, and that that's good. I'm glad you clear, cleared that one up, too, because that was going to be a question I'm sure people are asking, like, well, why didn't you just go there? Because mm-hmm. they're known to be, obviously, like, that's totally fine in their their space. So, okay, and yeah, we, like, Boise State's heading up to BYU in two weeks. Probably not going to be a good thing, but uh, I, I'm not going to lie. I got home from the Oklahoma State-BSU game, what was it, two weeks ago, come home to watch the game, and I'm, like, stoked for you guys. I'm like, yeah, and then... Okay, put me in a really, really yeah. bad mood. Tell me about it. Sunday Tell morning. Me. Well, of course. Yeah, you're on there. I, I just, yeah, it's frustrating. I hate Provo anyways. I hate that stadium. Okay, so, <laughs> oh, man, good times. So, you're going into your mission, and I do want to ask a couple of questions now as you go to serve. Where did you serve your mission? So, I got called to Florida Fort Lauderdale. Okay. Um, but I served, majority of my mission was in Miami. Ooh, yep. okay. And we got to speak Spanish, so we got to learn a language, so that was cool. Oh, nice. So it's Spanish speaking. Yep. Okay. Okay. That's super dope. Yeah. Um, that helps in the college credits. I, I can speak to that point right there. Just yeah. test out of them. Get yourself a full semester of credits if you want in a matter of an hour and 10 minutes. So Easy. you <laughs> you go to Florida. What was, I guess, during those two years, I'm sure there's tons of lessons that you can kind of like put parallels between sports and your mission and mission in life and so forth that you're probably utilizing to this day. But maybe like three lessons that you learned from your mission that you've been able to translate to the football field now and we'll get to more of your football career here in just a second but maybe the mission and what it taught you like maybe the top three things that you can translate to your sports career well if anyone listening has served a mission like the mission's not easy right it's pretty, it's pretty tough you get put into some situations where you're just like man and this is hard like is it worth it you know you're going out every day all long days right um just working your butt off but so i think one big thing I learned was that that perseverance. Right? I kind of grew up with with a work ethic that was taught by my parents, just grinding things out. But the perseverance thing, right? The the fighting till you accomplished it all, right? So that was a major thing that I learned in my mission. The second thing is um, kind of more of a leadership style to things. I learned how to be a leader in my mission. Um, that's kind of one thing that I continually work on today. Um, because you're put in some situations where you have to kind of uplift others, you know, as a missionary, um, whether that's companions or whether that's people you're teaching, um, you're kind of an uplifter. And that's one thing that I learned in my mission for sure. And then 
The third thing that stands out to me from serving a mission, um, trying to stay out of like the religious side of things, but it's got to be, man, probably working with other people, right? Because you get a companion for those of like people not listening that aren't members of the church. Like as a missionary, you're you're stuck with one person for six weeks minimum. Yeah, <laughs> minimum six weeks. Learning to work with other people, you know, it could be tough at times, but you're able to establish that that balance of things and, and learn to accept people for who they are and learn to work with them and kind of like mold them into your life and things like that. So those are things that I, I definitely learned from my mission. Life lessons for sure. Life lessons. Oh my. I am so glad you brought that up. I, I honestly can see that like even in, in real life, dude, the, the mission it, dude, there were companions. And so for those who are listening, you might see Mormon missionaries walking down the street. They're happy go lucky wearing name tags and ties and whatnot. And I always smile because I'm like, they probably want to kill each other sometimes. Like they're probably they might have just gotten in an argument or somebody pissed somebody off. Nobody will ever know because they always like find a way. It's true. When you're on the mission, you learn how to deal with it. But there were times where I wanted to put my companion's teeth in the back of his throat and like we just get in arguments all the time. And it was just it is what it is. But you love each other and you figure out how to like, you know, find the love for them. And like I love how you said like you mold them into your life and, and vice versa. And it's just like a way to you get along with people because when you're on the football field, you're not going to always like your teammates. Everyone's coming from different backgrounds all around, but you have to learn to how to, you know, come together for one common goal and one common purpose. And then you end up actually like loving that individual if you can do things right, you know? Um, so I love that you brought that up because I think a lot of people can understand that. But even if you're not a member of the church, you can understand that in regular life. If you're working a job, you don't always like your coworkers. Everyone's coming from different walks of life, but you've got to get stuff done or else you don't get a paycheck. Simple as that. So very, very good uh, life lessons there. And I can relate. So I'm smiling. I'll probably laugh about that later because that's <laughs> bringing me back in time. Um, so people are probably wondering, Case, how, you know, we've talked about you're at Arizona State. Um, there's, I mean, you talked about Southern Southern Utah. So how did you end up at Arizona State? Talk to us about this real quick because we, we need to see how that, that shift happened. No, it was wild. So uh, two weeks before I came home for my mission, right? Two weeks before I came home, um, somehow or another we got in contact or something happened right we got in contact with asu through a guy named al luganville who's uh who was player uh, like director of player personnel at asu and he's like look man we've gone over your film we see that we offered you in the past and we took it away because of a mission are you considering ever coming back to us i was like um i mean that would be awesome but i'm committed to southern utah right He's like, yeah, but we want you to come to ASU as like a walk-on and kind of from there, maybe you can earn a scholarship and things like that. And I always dreamed about playing at ASU, right? And I kind of felt like I could play at a Division One, Division One college at a high level. And so when that opportunity came up, two weeks before I came home, I said, yes, let's go, let's do it. So I kind of committed to that route, had to call Southern Utah, said, hey, in two weeks, I'm not going to be there, right? Wow. Came home from my mission on like a Thursday and then started football on Monday at ASU. So super fast. Wow. Crazy. Wow. Crazy. When you were on your mission, did they allow you to to lift and so forth? I, I actually had that question come up. I was writing it down as notes because I served a mission. I'm just speaking for me personally. I, I lived in Brazil. So like I served in Brazil. I lost a lot of weight. I was walking every day. I, I came home 170 pounds. When I was boxing before my mission, I was fighting at 205. And I came home 170 pounds and it wasn't a good 170 pounds. Everybody says I look disgusting. You know, now I've had the opposite problem. I've gained too much weight, but like back then 
I was a stick. And so I always wondered these college athletes, you know, how do they stay in shape? Did were you able to go and stay in shape somewhat in shape, I guess, during the mission before you came home? Yeah, that's kind of nice about being like in state as a missionary here in the United States. Um, my mission president was very supportive on anything that we wanted to do after the mission. And so he found out that I was going to play football after the mission. And he gave me kind of like a regimen. He said, hey, you can work out from this time to this time, but it's got to be done before studies. Right. So as a missionary, you're following that strict schedule. Right. And our study started at 830. And I would wake up with my companion at 430. We'd go to the gym. We were able to get gym membership. Went to the gym from like 5 to 730. And then I'd go home, get ready for studies by 830. Did your companion have to sign off on that? Like, did your companion know? I said, hey, well, like every time I was with the, every time I got a new companion, I said, hey, this is, this is what it is. Right. (laughs) And like, they'd be super excited for it. The first week, second week, it's all right. Third week, they're done with it. You know, but I'm like, we got to keep going. We got to keep going. I got dreams. You know, I got to make this happen. So a lot of my companions were super supportive. I had a few that didn't like it as much, but they still supported me through that. That's so dope. I'm just thinking about it. Like some of my companions, if I try to get them to the gym, that would have been, that would have been a nightmare. Oh man. That's hilarious. Yo. Okay. So you're coming back as a walk-on. Okay. Before you had a scholarship offer, school was going to be paid for Now you're coming as a walk-on school's not necessarily paid for, and there's no guarantee, no guarantee the scholarship's coming. How was your, uh, I guess, introduction to ASU football coming in right off a mission? Like, Talk to us about your first practices, your first year of school. You're working full-time. Talk to us about what that was like transitioning into football, work, school. Football, work, school. Like Talk, talk to us about yeah, that. Yeah, man, it was a grind. I even told myself before I came home from the mission, I said, you know what? I'm going to do as much as I possibly can with the time I have, right? And I told myself, I said, if I don't earn a scholarship that first year, I'm done. Like, so it's either it's either make it or break it, right? So I remember I got home from the mission, and I had to pay for school. Got to figure that out. Right. So I got a full time job working construction. Um, luckily, it was one of my dad's companies. So I said, hey, this time is when I'm in football. So I'll work before and I'll work after. Right. Nice. And then I'll do school at night. So I remember I was waking up. We start work at four in the morning. Right. For my dad. So I was working construction at four. I'd work till seven. Football started at eight. Went from like eight to eleven. And then I'd go back to work at twelve and work till like four or five and then go to school from like six to eight. And then I do that every day, Monday through Friday, and then just to pay for school, right? Because I had to do that and then play football at the same time. So it was a grind and then just work from there. My, I remember my first practice, we were going right into spring ball, right? So I'm, I'm having to kind of jump into things, not necessarily in the best shape of my life, but in good enough shape, but like with kids that are fresh out of the season, right? And they're working. Yeah. So it was kind of a struggle, you know, I had to figure it out very quickly. That's crazy. I was going to ask you, you know, coming in, it's Pac-12 football. It's big time football. Like this isn't the lower level. This isn't high school anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, what was the biggest transition going into that level of football? Even though you'd had two years off, but like what was the biggest transition, the biggest difference between high school and now you're playing Pac-12 for a big university like Arizona State? Uh, I'd say the biggest difference is speed. The speed of the game is a lot quicker. I remember like high school, I was able to like kind of read everything very quickly and then make the play. But in college, everything happens so much quicker. Right. So I had to figure that out, you know, understand the timing and the speed of the game at this level. And that was kind of the biggest issue that I had. 
how did you adapt to that? Was it through film study or was it just reps on reps on reps trying to figure that out at that speed? Um, at that time, it was more just reps, repetition, you know, trying to like figure everything out as quickly as possible. Uh, when you see like a slight movement from someone, you know exactly where you got to go. So it's like you just got to key things a lot quicker. Man, that's tough. That's yeah. tough. Yeah. Coming in there. Uh, okay. So the workout routines for a big time school. What I mean, you live in the gym anyways, you love the gym, but was there any difference there in intensity at the college level compared to the high school level or were they pretty similar for you? Um, I came from a high school that was pretty intense already. So like the intensity wise is actually kind of almost similar to be honest. Okay. But it was definitely a lot more work at this level, obviously, as it should be. Um, but yeah, it was nice. You know, you get there eight o'clock football starting and we're working out from like eight to nine and then a little bit of like meetings with coaches and film and then you're back out doing conditioning so it was more excess like extensive workouts and conditioning than what i was used to totally so definitely like a learning curve for sure totally but it sounds like your high school was doing it the right way like they were pushing you guys like they got you prepared so no, there's very few that are out there but it sounds like your high school got you guys in the right situation now the other question i have written down here was in regards to how did the players accept you? Because you're coming in there probably 21, I'm assuming, 20, 21 years old. Um, a lot of these freshmen are coming in 18, 19. They're a little bit younger. Uh, how did they accept you? Did, was it like, oh, grandpa's here? Or was it like, oh, no, like I actually respect this dude. You know, he's coming in. He's putting in the work. What was it like for you? So I remember I came in um, definitely – I was 21 at – no, 22 at the time, right? Because I went out a little later uh, on the mission. So I was 22 – Everyone else coming in with me at the same time was 18. So that was definitely a weird gap, right? The kids that I was coming in with are 18 years old. So I made friends with the, the seniors at the time, right? Because that's just natural, same age. Yeah. Um, so it was, it was a little different, a little weird, but there was definitely the same respect, though. Um, a lot of kids didn't know I was a walk-on until, like, some big article came out that year. Um, I don't. Yeah, a lot of kids didn't know I was a walk-on on the team. Which is that's actually weird. that's pretty sick, actually. That's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. <laughs> they yeah. just assume they're like, all right, it's the way you hold yourself up and the way you play. That's that's dope. Yeah. So I just wondered that. Did you feel this is just a personal question coming in at at 22? Some people say, well, that's an advantage because he's matured, his body's matured, and I can speak from experience. You know, I I was a much better bat. I graduated high school when I was 17, when I was 18, and then going on my when I was 19. And then even when I came home, when I was 21. I was so much more athletic at 21 than I was my senior year in high school. Like leaps and bounds. My body had matured. I could actually dunk. I was like, oh, I'm great. I'm explosive and yada, yada. And I was strong, whatever. I'm just curious. Did you feel like that was an advantage to you? Or did you feel like, oh, my joints are hurting. It's a little bit longer to recovery time. That's a question that's always come up in my mind. And I haven't actually been able to ask anybody that. You know, I honestly think it was an advantage at the time because putting weight on was a lot easier. Wow. I was able to kind of grow myself a lot quicker. And didn't have to put in too many hours in the weight room or too many hours on the field. I was kind of able to develop quicker, which was nice. Um, and I think the biggest advantage that I felt was the maturity. Right? I think coming in after high school, I don't think I would have been ready for for college football, honestly. Just like with the maturity level of things, like it, it it's definitely like a big learning curve for some kids. Um, but coming in at 22, I was kind of more mentally prepared for it than a lot of the kids that I came in with. That's so awesome, man. So yeah. cool. And Casey, you mentioned that you were going to go for a year, and if you didn't get a scholarship, you're going to have to bounce. I mean, like that was kind of your goal. Talk to us about that. Did you earn your scholarship, and how did that come about? 
Yeah, so it was a long year. The, the first year was the longest year, right? That was a struggle, working all those hours, going to football, practicing. Um, finally, finally, the season came, and I was able to play at linebacker, um, play on special teams, and kind of perform and kind of show myself, you know, I'm able to, to be out here on the field, right? And then after that year, um, I was mentioned as like all-purpose the first team Pac-12 all-purpose player of the year. I got that award. And following that award, like a week later, I was offered the scholarship, a full-ride scholarship to, to ASU, which was freaking awesome, man. That's like everything I was working for that entire year finally, finally happened, you know. So it was just the craziest moment of my life. Did they do it in a special way? We've seen some of those coaches go viral for doing it in a special way. I'm just curious, did they do that special for you guys? Or was it just like, hey, you got a scholarship? No, it was right before Christmas because we had to stay a little later that year because we had a bowl game, I think, like, January 1st or January 2nd, like, late game. Actually, no, it was December 31st. That's when our game was, New Year's okay. Eve. Um, and they did it as, like, a Christmas thing, right? So we're in our film room with the entire team, and they, like, brought up the, uh, the awards, the accolades, right, first team, Pac-12, all this stuff. And then they mentioned me, the all-purpose player. So we go up there, and he's like, he's like, I got another Christmas present for Hatch. And then they offered the full-ride scholarship right there, right? That's sick. Which that is, awesome. is so like All the kids I've been working with the entire year, right, they're all, like, congratulating me. It was like a brotherhood at the time, right? Never felt closer to any, any one of those kids until that, like, that moment was like, wow, like, this is my family, you know? Like, it was awesome. It was crazy. Crazy. Oh, yeah. man. I bet that was so cool. Now you get like schools paid for. Now I do. I want to know, like going into the ne next year, like schools paid for. What was the the difference? I guess. Were you able to focus solely on football? Did you feel like there was a difference there where you didn't have to worry about going to work? And that's like, did that make a change in the way that you were able to prepare? Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. So I didn't I still worked, but not as much. Right. Because I still like I love what I do with construction, right? That's my major in college is construction management. I plan to do that whenever football ends. So I love to do it. And I would still work in the mornings because when I went to football, I felt like I'd already been up for the entire day, right? So yeah. I was kind of ready for that time. Um, but not having to worry about paying for school was like the biggest burden taken off my shoulders, right? And then I was able to focus more of my energy and my thoughts to being better at what I did. I could focus more time on my craft and my assignments and my work in the gym than having to focus on paying for school. And that's so awesome. That It's so cool. You just put all this work and you've been trusting the process and betting on yourself like this entire time. And you put your trust in the right, the faith in the right places. And you just, you're an example of like just continuing to grind and, you know, hoping that it will work out, you know, and, but you're putting in the work. See, it, this sounds corny, but faith without works is dead, right? But you're putting in the work this whole entire time and doing the necessary steps. And there was no guarantee of any of this stuff, but you did it. And eventually, in, in a sense, it paid off, obviously. Uh, but you did the work. You, you did the work. And that's what I want people to understand is you got to put the work in, too. Now, you're also a captain. Talk to us about that. How did that happen? I kind of forgot. I forgot about that for a second because um, that happened right after my freshman year. I got asked. Really? I got asked to be a captain um, the ending of my freshman year going into sophomore, my sophomore year. All right. So that second season. So the off season of football. Yeah. I got asked to be a captain of the, of the team. And again, maturity coming from the mission two years. I felt a lot, I was a lot more mature than some of the kids coming in. 
So that kind of brought a lot to it. And then the mission taught me how to kind of lead other people in the right way. So I felt like those things were able to help me kind of earn that spot on the team as a captain uh, my sophomore year. But unfortunately, it was kind of a short season because of COVID, which sucked. But still, it was, it was fun. That's awesome, man. Though it just it does. I was gonna say it highlights the maturity and the leadership that you bring, the work ethic that you bring. You you lead by example. I think I, I just by talking to you, I can already tell that. Obviously, that's it's a big p- part of your story. Now, as you guys are playing this year, you guys are a solid squad. Like Pac-12's got some good teams. You know, Oregon upset my my Buckeyes. Like you guys got you guys got some good squads around there. But I am curious. You know, like obviously the goal is probably to win Pac-12 championship. Like that's the the ultimate goal. I think that's probably common sense amongst college football fans. We understand that, but I do want to know, like, um, do you have any personal goals outside of winning a championship uh, for Arizona state? What are some of your personal goals for football for this season? That's a good question. Um, you know, I always set goals that are insane. Right. And I see how close I can get to them. And um, I love it too, because I set this big goal, but then I'm able to set a lot of smaller goals to get me to that, to that point. Um, so with my position, I, my sophomore year, I switched completely to the offensive side of the ball and became a fullback for, for ASU. And we got your, your old offense coordinator, Zach Hill from Boise. Yeah. And us. Luckily, he runs a lot of fullback, which is awesome, <laughs> right? And so like my goal personally for this year and this season is to be the number one fullback in the country, right? That's goal number one. Goal number two is to earn that all-purpose Pac-12 player year of the year again. Right. That's what I want on special teams because I've done it once. I want to do it again. Um, and then the third goal, man, is just to to keep I don't know. I just can't hit a wall. That's my big thing is I don't want to be complacent with what I've achieved because I know there's a lot more that I can still do with what I got. hundred percent. Like you don't want to be you don't want to hit that plateau yet. You like you want to keep going like you don't want to flatline. And I think you will do it. It's awesome. Your work ethics there. You've got the right system in place too. You moving over to the fullback position from being a linebacker, like your whole entire like life, like in your football career, like going into that. For those who, you know, are the, most of my listeners are fo- football fans or sports fans in general. Obviously, the fullback is kind of like the offensive linebacker, is kind of the word they use, the phrase they use. It's offensive linebacker. Uh, Boise State, I think it was Corey Hall. He was a linebacker. He went to fullback in the NFL, played for the Packers. Like it's a very similar and it's an, e- no, I shouldn't say easy. It's a transitional piece, though, where like a lot of times that's it's a common transition. A linebacker over to a fullback is, is a common transition in football, if if you want to look at it that way. So that's why, like, if people are wondering, like, how did that work out? I'm sure based on like your skill set, it's very similar skill sets. You just have to adjust to a few things. Now, I do want to ask you this question, though, on the offensive side of the ball. So from a football perspective, defense, typically the plays are not nearly as long as the, the offensive plays, but I'm not sure how the plays are called in the huddle. But was there a transition to like learning the plays on the offensive side of the ball compared to maybe defense and the assignments you have to do? And what would be the major difference there? Well, it was completely different, right? My entire life I played on the defensive side of the ball. And now I'm playing on the offensive side of the ball, having to learn a playbook, like an offensive playbook, which is the weirdest thing I've ever had to do in my life. Honestly, that was a big learning curve when that happened. Um, But it was different because being a linebacker for all those years and now being a fullback, having to block the linebacker, right? I kind of anticipate what they're going to do. Right? Yeah. I know like if I'm on that position and I see this kid come and this is the move I'm going to do, right? 
So I kind of set myself up for success going against a linebacker because I know where he wants to go and I know how to stop him, right? But going back to what you said about that learning the offensive playbook, man, that was so different because I had to learn how to run a route. I had to learn how to block the right way, right, with the offense and the scheme of things, which I honestly didn't even know there's a scheme for the longest <laughs> time, right? Inside zones, outside zones, I knew about that. But, like, the how it all correlates together, like, crazy. Blew my mind. Um, but, yeah, it's just that, that knowledge of the game. I just had to enhance it a little bit more on the offensive side. Yeah, dude, if you ever hear someone call an athlete a dumb jock, just listen to Case right now. Like, that's not the case. Try to learn a playbook. Try to listen to a cadence in the huddle. Like, someone's going to be saying something. You're going to be like, okay, it's a foreign language. You already know how to speak Spanish. But it's like, dude, it literally is like learning a new language. I am impressed with those who can figure that out. I remember Matt Hasselbeck, the old uh, Seahawks quarterback from the back in the day, he talked about when he got into the NFL, he had to read the, the playbook was like that thick. And he was just talking about how he would read it to his daughter for a bedtime story, because that's the only way he could retain the information. Cause he could not figure out the plays like just offense. It's just crazy that they don't call people dumb jocks. They're far from stupid. Obviously <laughs> like our playbook is like 200 plus plus plays. Right. And you got to memorize them all with the hand signals and everything that goes with it. Like It's not easy. That's a hard thing to do. And then there's audibles. If that happens at the line, oh, you got to be able to yeah. shift. You gotta check different plays. Yeah. Dude, wow. it's nuts, man. So yeah, yeah. Don't ever say dumb jock. Now, I do want to ask Herm Edwards. Um, very, very well-known coach. Awesome coach. I mean, I've been following him since I was a little kid. I was six years old when I first heard of Herm and like watched him in the NFL. And then I also like watched him on ESPN when he was an analyst. And I just kind of followed his career, obviously, over there. Talk to us about that. Like, what's it like playing for Herm? Yeah, and it's insane. It's crazy. He's probably one of my greatest mentors in my life, right? Just with the way he lives. The dude lives a crazy life. Like he is very on schedule, tight knit dude, right? And he expects the same from everyone around him. Right. His whole thing is words and actions. Say you're gonna do something and then do it. Right. He's like, I don't want to hear something and you don't do it. He's like, that's not how it works. And he expects that high level of discipline and work ethic from everyone around him. And if you're not if you're not doing that, right? If you're not doing that around him. He doesn't want to be around you. Uh, he, he surrounds himself with successful people in life, right? And he expects that from every single one of his players. And he even says every day, he's like, hey, you don't want to do these things, words, actions. You don't want to, like, stick to this. He's like, go to school. We'll keep you on scholarship. Just don't come to football. Ooh. He tells us. He tells us to our team. Like, he's like, if you don't want to be a part of this team and follow our rules and do the things that we're supposed to do, he's like, just go to school. Don't play football. So it's, he's he's an awesome dude. He really is. He expects a lot from you. Dude, I love it. Does he ever – do you guys give him crap and never say, like, does he have to say you play to win the game? Does he, does he ever have to redo that whole entire speech? Or yes. is that one of those things that he's so sick of hearing? Like, I wonder. I just wonder how that's like. Does anyone bring that up? <laughs> you know, that's funny you say that because I think he's he might be, he might be sick of it maybe because since I've been there, he's only said it one time. Oh, really? Probably would have brought up one time. I swear <laughs> That's but one of my fa very favorite sayings in the entire world. Like, you play to win the game. I just thought it was hilarious how he handled that press conference. But um, all right, Case, I'm going to ask you a couple questions, wrap this up, and I'll let you go. I know you've already like taken enough time out of your day. I just I'm so grateful for the the conversation. I just uh, coming out of uh, of the tunnel at Arizona State. Just talk to us about the atmosphere. What's it like playing for the Sun Devils, and what's the fan base like? Because everybody knows that's a party school for one. So they're going to be like Mormon at a party school. First off, second off. 
what's it like with the fan base? Because there's some passionate fans down there. I've been down there. It's craziness. Oh, yeah, man. Walking out the tunnel for game day, there's nothing like it at ASU, honestly. It's crazy. We got the lights on and off. We got the fans going wild. It's an awesome moment. We got our video. If you've never seen it, go look it up. ASU's walkout video. We got Sparky stepping on the on the other school's bus as we come out. Like, dude, it is fantastic. Like, we have some of the, the greatest fans in the Pac-12, honestly. Uh, very supportive. And uh, as you said, it is a party school, but you know, we still we still hold ourselves to a, to a little bit of a little bit of a level. But it's a fun time, man. Honestly. Dude, I, I dig that, and I will second that. I do have respect for your fans. I've only experienced in person your fan base once, and that was actually at the 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 Vegas Bowl. Boise State was playing Arizona State. You guys were six and six that year. It was a trash game for us, but it was Kellen Moore's last game. So I made the, the trip down there to go watch him play his last game. And I was like super impressed with how many people showed up for a six and six football team um, and, and how well they held down the floor. So I think that's pretty dope. Okay. So you did allude to this earlier. This is my last question for you as far as like, well, I have two questions. This is my next last question. What's the plans after football? You mentioned construction, construction management. Um, but yeah, well, what is the plan for Case Hatch? What should we expect from Case Hatch in the next five years? Well, man, I want to take football as, as far as I possibly can. And the great thing about playing the fullback spot is you have a, high, a longer expectancy in like the NFL, right? You could play for a lot longer as a fullback than a linebacker, which I think that kind of helped me make that decision to play fullback, right? As a linebacker, I might lose my head in a couple of years, honestly, with how brutal the game is. But, um, Man, in five years, honestly, the goal is to keep playing in the NFL, to be playing in the NFL. I want to be playing for a few years after uh, college. And then once football finally comes to an end, I have goals on starting my own companies in the, in the construction world. So awesome, man. I think that's so dope. Last thing. This is the last question. Okay. Biggest, <laughs> the biggest life lesson that football has taught you. Biggest life lesson that football has taught me. Whew, that's a good one. I think the biggest thing I've learned from football is if you want something and you're willing to work and you're willing to perform and compete, you'll get it. Honestly. Like it, I think that goes with anything in life. And football taught me that at a very young age, that if you're willing to work for something, like put everything you got into it, right? And you're willing to compete, perform, you can accomplish anything in your life. That's the biggest thing football taught me. I've seen that in my football career. I've seen that outside of my football career, even with school, it always works out. I love it, man. I love it. Ladies and gentlemen, Case Hatch, fullback for Arizona State. Go check him out. He's got a lot of football left this season, and uh, we look forward to seeing where he go, Case. Just want to say thanks once again for joining the show and letting us you know, hear your story. And hopefully for those listening, you'll share this out with the rest of the people. If you guys haven't already subscribed to the podcast, make sure to leave us a five-star review and let us know what you thought of the interview. But uh, Case, once again, man, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Appreciate it. Guys, thanks so much for listening to another episode of my show. Now, if you could go and do me a favor, head over to iTunes, give me five stars and leave me a review. It would be greatly appreciated. Thanks, guys. Appreciate your support.